comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. everybody and welcome back to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Aaron Newirth, Jim Dietz, and uh, Richard Chubtoad Shelton. How are you guys all doing tonight? Great! Gracious Ignatius, Fantastic. I'm doing great. Yeah, I, I don't know why I quite uh, intoned Jim Dietz that way, but we are excited to have it back. I'm ready to audition for a dance troupe. First off, I do not want to see that, Please. Richard. Uh, well, oh, I, you know, I don't know what you're. I what are you do. talking about? I want to see, I, I wanna see it, but I want to. I want to have free reign to leave at a moment. I get notice. jiggly with it. <laughs> I could imagine, uh, but uh, Jim, you were here two weeks ago, right? That is correct. What did you think of last week's episode with the alien invasion and the the crazy storms and all that kind of stuff? Mourner's paradise, <laughs> as I'm calling it. <laughs> the 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 alien invasion. What? When, when the storm episode? came through and the, and the blue lights were flashing, it just felt very close encounters to me. Oh, okay, okay, I understand. I don't, I don't know. I kind of I, it almost like I skimmed through the last episode. I've been really busy lately. Uh, I, it, it just seemed like an average episode in comparison to the Tyrese episode. Um, I really liked the more artistic angle they took with the Tyrese episode, and then this. It just seemed like back to normal type thing. So. Well, what did you think? Just in a general sense, I'll get everybody's opinion here, but let's start with you since you're already talking. What did you think of this week's episode, just in a general sense? I really liked this episode. Um, I liked the the whole uh, tease of the Alexandria Free Zone, and uh, I liked the character. I liked the actor they picked for Aaron. I thought it was uh, it was interesting, you know, to see this like the way they react to someone who looks seemingly normal. You know, seemingly is is trying to be helpful and kind, and you know it shows how far they've gone. You know, at this point, Rick is at fool me seventeen times, and he's right. not taking it exactly. <laughs> if you're not paranoid, you're not paying attention, right? What What about you, Aaron? What did you think of this week's episode in a general sense? Well, you mentioned the blue lights flashing, the flags go up, and now we've gone the distance um, for this episode, which I liked quite a bit. Um, yes, I make cake references. Um, this. Um, <laughs> Well, you are going for speeds. Yes, and I'm all alone right now as I talk about the episode, which I found to be quite good. I, I thought the depiction of Aaron, it reminded me, of, if anyone saw that movie Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, where, yes, yes. Yes. where basically you have the lead characters are kind of being misrepresented as the villains, even though they're actually the good guys. And that's kind of what I see here, where Rick and the gang... Obviously, they're the good. They're you know we know them and we know Rick, who this episode's a lot has a lot of focus on. But everything he does makes him seem very villainous. And Aaron's doing his yeah. best to kind of counter him with reasonable claims of things that could potentially make things better for him and his group. And I found it to be a very interesting look at the kind of the state of mind that Rick's currently in. You know, juxtaposed with what Michonne, with Michonne's trying to communicate to the rest of the group as she takes her own kind of lead and things. And you know, seeing how Aaron interacts with the rest of the guys throughout this episode and where things go. I, th- I just thought it was a really well-done episode of The Walking Dead. I mean, it really shows how far they progressed, too. Like, you know, in the first or second season, they would have welcomed someone like that with open arms and just run off blindly, you know, hopped in the truck to go check it out. But you know, in this episode, like you said, uh, everything Rick, every move Rick makes is almost a, a villainous move against uh, Aaron, you know, if he is telling the truth and if he is sincere in what he's saying, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Rich, if you'd take a break from your uh, dance calisthenics for a moment, what did you think of this episode? Well, this is probably more in line with what I want Walking Dead to be. I thought this was a fantastic episode. 
I thought it more than made up for last week, which was, to me, we all know, a snore fest. This episode, the only thing that really bothered me about this episode was Rick. And it wasn't the paranoia, and it wasn't his the way he was acting. It was how many times we saw that in scenes. I thought that after a while, you know, it's fine that it was over the top. We get where he's at. He's tired. He doesn't feel like shenanigans again or any of that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I just I just felt that, that they, they beat a dead horse throughout the whole episode. I'm fine with being reminded throughout the episode, but it just, it was a little too much. But other than that, I mean, everything, especially the mowing down of the zombies on the road, was just fantastic. I like the flare zombie. That's definitely my zombie kill of the week. Just all the little callbacks to things, like uh, the Skettios or whatever. Um, that wasn't it Tara's dad or grandpa or somebody drove the delivery truck for them or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rich, you make a good point where I, I do feel like they kind of overemphasize the Rick stuff a bit, and we can get to that as we get to the rest of the episode, but I do think there is probably, it, just, it felt like there wasn't a ton of story here in terms of hitting us with the same beat that Rick doesn't trust things, and I think if we got a little more work with some of the other characters, such as Glenn, who I've had some issues with this episode, given what he's what's going on with him, it's like, it feels like we could have used more fleshing out of him and maybe some of the other characters that are, you know, in this episode that we just don't really check in very hard with, which could have made up for the, you know, beating up, beating on the Rick doesn't trust you plot that's been going on throughout the episode. Right. And and not that it was bad. It's not like it no. was a detractor to the episode. I just think, you know, what other scenes could we got with the other characters if we didn't have quite as many scenes with Rick being that way? And 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 the one that really, it, I wouldn't say bothered me. The only one that really, I just it made me roll my eyes was the applesauce scene. I get he doesn't want to put this in his kid's mouth and everything else, but you know, after the well, one the guy refusing to taste the applesauce. I'm like, dude you're trying to convince this guy that you're okay. And the one time that you have a chance where he's trusting a little, you're like, uh, I, I don't like applesauce. You know, I know exactly that, what you're talking about. And we'll, I get, we'll get there when Jordan reads the yeah, thing. I actually out, called but, that out in your review. Eric. Yes, I did because come oh, on. Did like, you? Yes. It's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, why, exactly. why, why is, why is he sitting there? Not because, because he has some, some facet, some problem with it from his past involving applesauce. It's like, take a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> My mommy shoved it down my throat daily. One of the things you what risks you run when you have an episode with the full cast like this, all in one spot, is that some people are going to get short shrifted. I mean, look at Carol in this episode. She only had that one line with Rick pretty much at the very end, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I thought it was smart for them to break off the smaller group and to you know do their own story. And when they do that, yep. it seems like they're able to you know focus more tightly on the characters than having to you know give everyone their little bit to chime in, as it were. So shall we get to the episode discussion in general, gentlemen? Let's do it. Let's do it. All righty. Episode 511 is entitled The Distance, and it was directed by Larissa Kondraki and written by Seth Hoffman, a uh, Walking Dead mainstay there. We have three guest actors this week. Once again, we have Tyler James Williams as Noah. Uh, last week, we were introduced to Ross Marquand as Aaron. And in editing last week's episode, it sure sounded like I said Russ Marquand, but it's Ross, like the guy from Friends. And uh, introducing this week, we have uh, Jordan Woods Robinson as Eric. So we start the episode pretty soon after where we left off uh, last week, and that is Sasha and Maggie returning to the barn, introducing Aaron to Rick and the group. And Aaron tells him, look, I'm part of a larger community. We have reinforced steel walls that are really, really great and keep anybody from, you know, marauders to uh, zombies from coming in. And he says he's been observing Rick's group because he believes they would make trustworthy additions to the community. And Rick decides he doesn't trust him and he runs over and knocks him unconscious. Aaron sells the hell out of those reinforced steel walls. Like, it sounds like the, one of those, like, like sad commercials for, like, adopting, like, a dog or something. Like, I was like, going to say, it, like, sounded like, it sounded like a, uh, like, uh, a timeshare commercial. Like, you know, here, here's our timeshare community, you know. 
it has just the right beats played to be some kind of infomercial in general, but it has the kind of like hint of drama to it. It's like, we can keep out any kind of predators that come your way if you give us 50 cents for every... <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> he nails it and sells this thing. And yeah, then we Rick... Bags. Then Rick knocks him out, which is just, like, I think, did we talk, was it on air that we talked about this on the podcast last week, where it's in the, it's in the comic that Rick, like, just knocks him flat. Yeah, I don't think it made it to the episode or even the spoiler section, but yes, the, the same thing more or less happens in the comic. With like the exact di- with the exact dialogue, except it's from a different character and not Michonne of saying, "Just for the record, that was a like a okay look and not a I, you should knock him out look or something," <laughs> which is just like that was beat for beat great for me. I know he has like a whole audio visual presentation with the photos and everything, yeah. <laughs> and he's apo- he's like apologizing for the quality of the photos, and... which were really bad, by the way. Yeah, those like are not they were those, smudgy, yeah. and there was like spots, and you could see like his thumb in half the pictures. He's he's not a photographer. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's a good salesman though. I will say what Michonne notices about those pictures later. I noticed at this point and thought it was kind of odd. Yeah, I didn't notice it, but I was I thought it was a great moment later on when she does call that out. Agree, especially how they played it. So they tie up Aaron. Uh, while he's still unconscious to a wooden column, and they search his uh, his backpack, and they find in there, among other things, a flare gun, and that uh, tells Rick that there are other people nearby that this is going to be used to signal to. And and, Car- and Coral is just like, what's this, Dad? Which made me laugh. I was like, really? A flare gun? All right. Yeah, how often does a kid that age? That's what I argue, you know, that's what I argued with like my friend about. My friend who was with me, yeah. he he made the joke. He made the same statement that I did, where I I was I'm on your side. Jordan was like, yeah, all right, it's believable, I guess. He was like nine when this well, happened. Like, his dad, his whole life was a cop. How often have, do cops use flare guns? They have them in their trunk. When's when's little seven year old Carl looking through a a trunk of a of a cop car and like finding a his, flare gun? At, at, Take your kid to work day, and and Rick's like all coral. Let me let you see all the equipment in my core, coral. And you know, gives no, him but like core. Shane probably took him onto like a like a dirt bike rally or something to invest, invest some perps or something. And Rick like just sat in the office on his thumbs. Or you know, it's quite <laughs> possible that any time while Rick and Shane were at work doing police things, that Lori was ignoring coral, and he went off and found a flare gun. All possible sure. options. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron eventually comes to, and Rick starts questioning him about, you know, how many other people are there. And Aaron has very solid answers of, it doesn't really matter what I tell you, because you're not going to believe me if I say there's 10 or 30 or 1 or whatever. It doesn't matter what I say, so let's not waste time with this. And he keeps trying to convince Rick that he's on the up and up. And I, I quite honestly love the line they ride in this episode, and it seems like they're going to ride the same line next week as well, just from the stuff we've seen, which is, is this guy full of it? Is he a monster like every other time something similar to this has happened? Or is he telling the truth? If you haven't read the books, or if you don't, if just if they're going to change it, who knows? You don't know. And they play that line so well of this group not trusting him for extremely good reasons. And I just really love the questions they ask him, the ways he answers them, and just that that writing line they had to ride and that line they had to toe is so touchy. And I think they nailed it of can you trust this guy or not and how suspicious should the group be without becoming just monsters i mean we already talked about you know rick acting semi-villainous during this episode and i agree but it's not from a place of him being crazy it's it's from a place of him you know the governor was like two months ago in universe time cannibals you know, happened and then terminus <laughs> yeah. the the, uh, the claimers you know all this stuff they've just dealt with very recently and then there's this guy coming out of the woods being like, hey, I'm your new best friend. I, I loved it. No, yeah, it's handled very well. And, I mean, it, as far as kind of Rick's mindset's concerned, he's different from the governor in the way that I can relate to Rick's character. I know where he's coming from. I didn't get that from the way they portrayed the governor on this show where he just felt one-dimensionally evil until other things happened to make him slightly less one-dimensionally evil. Rick, I understand completely where he's coming from, why he's taking certain precautions, because there's a greater good involved because he wants to protect his family and his group. And this show, regardless of whether or not, regardless of like what my knowledge of the comic is and what I believe might happen, I think the show wants you to trust Aaron. I think the show wants you to put it on his on his side, even if there is some twisted reveal i think the show's rooting for you to root for aaron on purpose and i certainly by the end of the episode certainly by the end of the episode for sure and it gives you good reason for rick to want to believe in it too 
but I, I really like, I mean, there's a, it kind of builds tension in this episode in these early parts before we even get to, you know, drastic actions taken based off, you know, the presence of walkers and whatnot. And I really like that. I re- I think it's a combination of Andrew Lincoln being very good in kind of his mode that he's in, regardless of how much we get of that this episode, and Ross Marquand. I think he's just funny enough without being, I don't know, arrogant about it and, and without being, he's enthusiastic without going too far. I think he handles this character really well, which is to say, it's an impossible situation he's almost found himself in, where he has to convince this group of people that have tried to survive on the road for, you know, years now, and have faced many adversities along the way, and he wants them to all trust him, and come along with him to some magical place that seems amazing. And that's not an easy thing for someone to have to be able to do, but he's doing that, and I really like the way it just, the show kind of sets up all this whole scenario. Honestly, my reaction to him is like the exact inverse of my reaction to Father Gabriel, which was the moment he showed up, I was like, I'm not sure about this, how they're handling this. And the more it went on, it was more me going, I want this character off my screen. Whereas with Aaron, it's like immediately, I think I like this guy. I really like his performance. I really like how they're handling it. And as the episode went on, I just wanted more and more and more. Well, Father Gabriel is a series regular, so there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Although I believe, um, I believe Ross Marquand is as well. Um, starting this half of the season, at least. We'll see. <laughs> well, and I mean, how how can you not trust somebody with a name like Aaron, right? That's what I, I keep saying. Very trustworthy yeah. name. <laughs> no, I think they did a really good job having him come across as, as sincere as possible and, um, you know, made it where, despite Rick's concerns, you know, and the fact that, you know, we as viewers would ha- probably have concerns as well, I, I, I totally bought into that he's fine, despite my knowledge of the comics. So So Rick keeps asking questions, keeps trying to find out more information, keeps just pressing him for what's your dirty secret and how are you planning on terribly murdering us? And eventually Aaron says, look, um, I'll I'll give you these directions. I have two vehicles waiting, uh, and those are to transport you and your group to the the community, which we eventually learn, I think they say the name, is the Alexandria Safe Zone. So Alexandria is what we'll be referring to. He doesn't doesn't say where it is or the name of it until later. When he finds out that they've saved Eric, um, that's when he lets them know where it is, because he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't, he he originally wants to drive, they won't let him drive, and then he won't tell them exactly where it is, he'll tell them where it is when they get there. Right, I just um, mean for the sake of us discussing it, though. Like, it's, it's called Alexandria. Oh, yeah. For, for right. anybody who missed it in the episode, that is the name of, of the community. That's what we'll be referring to it as pr- primarily. So Rick decides, well, you got this claim, let's test it. And he sends Glenn, Maggie, Michonne, Abraham, and Rosita to see if the vehicles are in fact there, while the rest of the group takes up positions around the barn, just in case Aaron is planning an attack, because Rick is, Rick is just convinced that there are people in the woods who are ready to just come and swarm them, which, quite frankly justifiable concern. The SWAT group goes out to find the vehicles, and they indeed find them, um, suggesting Aaron is telling the truth. They're full of food, they got water, and hey, it's an RV! Who would have known I'd ever be nostalgic to see an RV? Another callback in this episode. This is the kind of thing where I understand that, it, and like even it gets to Glenn later when he like finds a battery in the RV. Like it just... I, I get that it's calling back to this guy we used to know, but I'm a, I'm such a, I'm so bitter about how that whole played out where I'm like, I know what you did, Dale, and I'm still not happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> you you tried to hide guns, man. Dale. <laughs> you didn't help. Yeah, but that's what happens when your medication runs out in the uh, in the apocalypse there. I should point out the um well, two things, I guess. Uh one, Michonne has been on fire for me in terms of her character in this half of the season. I mean, the first half Absolutely. she's fine, but she hasn't been given much to do. This this half she's certainly been given more to work with. So that that's cool, and we can get to that later, and you, know, you guys can speak to it too, because I'm sure you have similar opinions on that. The other is um, the when the walkers come out, they find the camper and the car and the walkers come out. It's such a neat, like... The way that happens where they're 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 worried that someone's going to ambush him like the whole time as they're kind of in, out in a pack, they're like, and we even see as they're walking to the vehicles, we see who we don't know who it is yet, but we'll eventually find out is Eric watching them from the distance. Exactly, and then when Walker like when they hear a noise and like come out, who's there? And it's just a Walker. It's this kind of sigh of like, okay, it's just zombies, guys. Let's deal with this right now. Which even then doesn't go completely well because Abraham nearly like slips and falls <laughs> before you know he gets saved. But I mean, it's just a neat like the way walkers are used on this series is the way that I think us as comic fans 
want that to happen where they're not the true threat it's other things they're just like it's like they're like weather as i've described before they're just like oh this okay we'll deal with this sometimes they even fight weather like in last week's exactly (laughs) i did like all the different moments with abraham and rosita this episode though yeah, there was some nice stuff between them. There was there was, uh, there was some cool character moments there between the two of them, and this was one of them where she kind of saves his uh, saves his bacon with the walkers when he slips and you know accidentally rips the arm off the one walker. But um, I, I like that character stuff between them this time. It's the kind of stuff where you can like you can take those scenes and put it into like a, a newspaper comic strip and just get exactly what you need out of it. Like that's how effective it is because it's like small character beats that you understand based off past things that have happened but don't need to take up an entire episode to cover. It's just like, yeah, this is going on also. Little side story. I also really like the character moment between Eugene and Tara earlier in the episode when he's setting up the cards, and she's like, so you, you're setting up a game of poker with 14 wild cards? <laughs> that, <laughs> that was so a good funny. one. <laughs> which apparently she's good with math on the fly, which is good to know. Mm-hmm. So while uh, the SWAT team is out checking out on the vehicles, uh, Judah starts crying, and uh, Aaron tells Rick, "Hey, there's I brought uh, bought apples brought applesauce in, in my pack there just for this exact occasion." And uh, as we mentioned before, Rick does not trust him. And he thinks, "Well, you're trying you could be trying to poison my baby, which would be a bad move." So uh, he he tries to get Aaron to uh, eat the applesauce first. And we get this. Yes, it's a little pushing it in terms of just eat the damn applesauce, man. But I I thought it was also a good character beat to learn something about Aaron. Um, in, in a subtle way, which we'll you know have confirmed later, but about his childhood and about his mother, uh, you know, abusing him or just doing what she thought was best to him, depending on how you want to look at it. And he doesn't like applesauce, but he eventually tries it. Rick then tries it, and then Judith gets it. I don't know how much of a subtle way it is to announce a giant character aspect of him, of him just screaming out, I can't do this because my mother did this when I was young. I don't know how subtle that might be. But well, I, what I mean is it 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 ties into his character and the fact that he is, is gay without saying it. And so later on, you know, we, we get that confirmed, but it's just a bit of a char- bit of character it, yes, about his in, history, you know, ter- without it being as obvious as it might have been in earlier seasons where it would just be like, I can't have applesauce because I'm gay. In terms of, yes, been strange. In, well, yeah, in terms of, I, in terms of hinting at an aspect of his character that will come to be a part of the episode later on, I get that. But in terms of like, let's clunkily handle something to get us out of this scene or like get us prolong this applesauce scene even further. It just felt a little clunky. <laughs> Maybe I missed it. How did the whole applesauce thing, but portray that he was gay. His mom used to force feed him applesauce because she was afraid he wasn't manly enough. And she wanted to force it out of him with applesauce, which is something I've never heard of before. But uh, that was, that was the reason. Uh, I, so, I still, I, I didn't pick up on that, I guess. So, well, it was there. Um, anyway, so when uh, the SWAT team comes back and lets Rick know, hey, he's on the up and up about the vehicles at least, and here's some food and water and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, Aaron says he will take them to the community the following morning. He refu- refuses to reveal the exact location of the camp, saying, "Look, I'm not willing to bet the lives of my friends on you guys just yet. Um, you know, you don't trust me. I don't fully trust you either. You are holding me hostage at the moment, after all." Um, and instead, he tells him, look, just get on Highway 16, go down this way, and I'll give you directions along the way. Rick, however, says, nope, we're taking Highway 23, which Aaron protests, saying that his people haven't yet cleared that road. But Rick is adamant. This is one of those things where it's like, this is like, everyone around Rick should be like, you know this isn't going to go well, right? That, that's what they should have been yelling <laughs> at. Like, they, the roads are, this is not easy to do, guys. <laughs> like, we can't just drive on a road at night. And they went with it anyway. Like, uh, but if it was a ambush, it was an ambush. You know, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I also get what Rick was saying. I get what Rick was, but it's like at the same time, it's like there's a point, and I'm glad Michonne eventually speaks up. But at the same time, it's like we need like what what's happened in the past to us? Like, we, we, it's not like there's ever been like an easy thing that's happened for them. Like, it's always goes the hard way. Now we're deliberately choosing the hard way. We should have a longer discussion than Rick says. We go on Route 24 or whatever 23. It just bothered me that if the the herds you know don't wander up and down roads, you know they just kind of wander aimlessly around. Then how are they able to keep a highway clear? Like that much of a highway clear. Without, like, a lot of manpower and stuff. Yeah, Morgan. Okay. Morgan in a zip line. Gotcha. One, one zip, zip line in Morgan. That's all you need. My whole thing was, I, I, I get his strat, his tactic of taking the uh, the route that the guy's not, you know, saying we should go this way. 
because he still doesn't trust him, but you're trusting him enough to you're going to go to his this walled-in city that he's talking about. Can you not trust him enough to go down the road? I mean, if it's a trap, it's going to be a trap there or at the city. But even with Rick taking the alternate route, what was the purpose of going at night? Well, because they wanted to spy on the city under the cover of night yeah. without anybody knowing they were there. They wanted to That's fine. Things. You know, get closer to the city during the day and, and then wait till nightfall to get up close and start spying. But don't travel that far of a distance at night where you have no road lights you know, the guy, whether you trust him or not, he made it very clear they've not cleared that section. I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't understand the purpose of the night mission part of it. You know, there's ways that you can spy. There's ways you can do different things without, I mean, the minute they said, he said, we're going now at night this evening or whatever it was he said, I'm just like, that's that's the bad idea. Not the alternate route so much, but the at night part. All you need to do is give Carol a dirty poncho and some fireworks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, she was and, waiting in and, the wings like, when's, when's option know? C coming up? I'm ready here, guys. I'm, I'm packing yeah, no my doubt, bag. Man. I'm ready to go. Plan C. You got it. One thing I really did like throughout this episode, there's not really a specific place to point it out, I guess, but is the range of trust you see from the the group of survivors. Because at this point, there are, you know what, around 10, 15 people. And we don't really check in with all of them um, after Aaron shows up. Some of those character moments happen before he shows up in the morning. But we we do check in with a number of, of our bigger players in this group and see that some of them want to trust him but don't. Some of them want to trust him and do. Some of them don't want to trust him and don't. You have Rick's perspective. You have Michonne, who speaks up probably the most and saying, look, I get it. But if this is true, this is something we at least need to check out. I really did like how distinct they they did make that delineation between the characters of who trusted them, who didn't, and, and a lot of those changing throughout the episode. Without making it drag out. Like, this isn't season two where you'd have, you know, episodes focused entirely on Shane, Dale, and Rick disagreeing and not getting anything done. This is an episode where things get done and people may disagree with each other, but we actually see progress happen in spite of disagreements. There's not, right, there's exactly. not arguments that lead to, like group meetings that <laughs> that prolong things like what do we do if this guy who has a broken leg and tried to shoot at us like we didn't have three episodes of dealing with Aaron we had one <laughs> so right, right. that's a nice step up right there which allows us to both yeah see the characters without having to f- go way too far into deliberating what the makes the most sense and you know getting momentum in this in the season so good good on them for this yes also worth noting that highway 16 and highway 23 both lost numbers also real highways in that area, but I like to think it's a lost track. Okay. <laughs> the show's been over for like four years, Jordan. Get over it. I will never. I love that show. I love uh, that show too, but damn. <laughs> so Michonne, as you guys point out, questions whether Rick actually intends to join the camp, and Rick responds that he's not going to make a decision until he's outside the walls. Like, he's still on the fence about this, even though he's going there. He He's not sure if he's going to join in. Well, they make that stylistic thing too. Of he asks Michonne what he heard, what she heard when uh, she was outside the walls of Woodbury. She said nothing, and then he said, well, "What about when you were outside Terminus?" Uh, she said nothing, and then later on, that pays off with the scene where they do end up outside of uh, Alexandria. And I like the sentiment of that. My only problem with it is when she and Andrea got to Woodbury, wasn't there a whole like? town fair going on with lots of children and happy noises and all that kind I of stuff. I think so, yeah. That didn't really hold up. There was something, that was like later on, when they first arrived, they were taken there, and we really didn't, we, we, were, we, were, get, we were getting it mostly from Andrea's perspective. She like woke up and Michonne was already awake at that point. There, but they were. That's right, I guess were, Merle like found them and brought them yes, in. Yes, yeah. That's and it's not like okay, Michonne was sitting there like all happy things. day. I mean, she was suspicious the entire time she was in Woodbury. So the group uh, takes uh, takes to the road, and uh, Rick, Michonne, Glenn, and Aaron take the lead in the car, while the rest of the group follows a short distance away in the RV. On the way, they discover a – what do you call those? It's a digital listening device, but it c- kind of looks like a gun uh, with a satellite dish. Parabolic, parabolic microphone. Thank yeah. you. 
Um, they discover that in the car and realize that Aaron has not only been watching them, but he's also been listening in on them, which he quickly cops to and says, well, I told you I was watching you. You didn't, you didn't think I was going to make my decision just from looking at how you walked and stuff like that. You know, I was listening as well. Um, but this Rick, this clues Rick in that if Aaron was listening, that means it's very possible and likely that other people from his group have been listening in on them while they were dealing with Aaron and maybe hearing in their plans. And, uh, it's right around that time when Michonne realizes they never asked Aaron the three questions. How many walkers have you killed? How many people have you killed? And why? And they decide to start asking him those questions. That, that comes from because, because she's, looking at the, she's looking at the pictures again. And then I was going to say, isn't that the point where she notices there's no people in the pictures? That's before that the picture things happens and that leads them to... That leads to Aaron's kind of fumbling the reasoning for the for the uh, pictures, and that's when Michonne's like, "Check the bag," and then they get the bag, and they go, and then the flare goes off. Like it's a seri- it's a very, it's a quick escalating series of events that leads to basically Glenn not watching the road, and suddenly zombies are all over the place. But and they start just mowing through them, and blood and guts are just covering the car and the windshield. Uh, the car is surrounded. They become separated from the RV. They get out. They fight off the zombies. The car won't start. Michonne has to, like, get out and start pulling pieces of zombies out of the car. Mm-hmm. And then a flare goes up in the woods in the night sky uh, near a water tower, I, letting them know that something is going on. Yeah, I was I was all over the place at this point. I was like, wait, what happened? Like, where's the camp? Like, where's the RV? Why is this flare going? I was trying to, like, piece everything together because, again, things escalated very quickly. And as neat as it is to see in a visual effect shot of Glenn destroying zombies in the road from a bird's eye view spot, looked like something. Where did Glenn get a grenade? Right? It, uh, <laughs> it looked it looked like a it looked like a scene from a like GTA Zombie Wars or something like that from like like. 1998 PC. Um, I still am a little confused as to when the RV got separated from them. It was and my I, understanding that like, the RV saw the horde of zombies they were driving into and stopped. That'd be my impression, yes. yeah. And Glenn well, that, didn't and kept going. That was the impression I got. I just wasn't sure if that's what we were supposed to think. Because I thought, was there at some point they decided, screw Rick, we're taking 16? <laughs> well, that, that's that's why, yeah, that's why I got curious because, yeah, once Rick and the gang get out of their car and they move through the woods and whatnot, then they get to Highway 16 and they head towards the water tower. I'm curious how this became like a rendezvous point of the beyond, like, obviously there's a flare and that directs them and where to go. But, like, it seemed like everything was... Wor- this isn't a problem. This is more of, like, I feel like there was like, some shortcut that I missed or something because, like, you know, suddenly the RV's parked at some, like, random building, Daryl's waiting out there to throw out whistling signs so Rick knows where to go. Like, it's just like, it seems like there's some planning here that I might have missed. I'm wondering if something didn't get cut there because the whole thing with him hurting it, with Eric hurting his ankle and them finding him and everything else that you're talking about, I don't know, maybe they felt that they needed to get more paranoid Rick scenes in and then just cut this out. It, yeah, it's curious because, you know, I can we can piece together what happened and why things are the way they are, which is why I'm not really... I'm not down talking the episode because right. of this series of events. It's just more of it feels like there might have been a scene or something that we like, we didn't seem to get completely clear complete clarification on. So once the flare goes up, uh, we cut to Aaron and he says something along the lines. It's under his breath, so it's hard to hear, but I think he said something along the lines of "Oh no, Eric!" And then he he starts telling them, "I need to get out of this car right now." Um, and he's like, I, I think he even says at that point, I don't even care if he trusts me. You need to let me out of this car right now. <laughs> and uh, he starts running towards the flare. Well, he also and kicks, they well, wait, he kicks the zombies. door open and like knocks Michonne off, off of her feet. That's, That's how true, emphatically yeah. he wants to get out of that car. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of, t- I mean, until I realized that what was going on, that kind of uh, made me think, you know, that he might not be on the up and up after all. I mean, well, he, he got so much knocking yeah. shit over and stuff like that. Well, he got really worried once you know the the question about the people and the pictures wasn't happening his way, and then everyone started freaking out. Like he was right. There was a lot. Of, there's a lot. It's a lot of good tension. I I do give it this oh, yeah. for sure because I because it's it's a manic situation and there's a lot of tensions between the characters already. Add in a bunch of zombies, a flare gun going off or whatever. Like there's just a lot of things that signaled panic, and I liked I liked the I liked that chaos. It, it might not have been like the perfection of chaos being depicted, but I still liked it quite a bit. Another manic Monday. I wish it was Sunday. Hey, that's when The Walking Dead airs. That's a fun day. 
Uh, so it's also in here where we get the scene of Rick shooting a zombie in the face with the flare gun he took from Aaron, which is a cool effect. Nice little jack-o'-lantern there. Yep. Um, so Aaron runs off into the woods towards the flare that, that, uh, was shot by, we later find out Eric and, uh, the rest of the group starts finding their way through the zombies cause the car is pretty much screwed at this point. It's just covered in gore. And, uh, so we get a couple different moments in here of them fighting the zombies. Really like to see where Michonne is pulling the body parts out of the, the hood. Yeah. You know, they, they can't get the... I mean, it's such a horror movie trope of them not being able to start the car, right? Yeah. I mean, it's uh-huh. like the horror movie trope, you know, being attacked by, you know, whatever, not being able to start the car. And Michonne is like, let me see what I can do. And she gets out and she tries to open the hood and she's just pulling out body parts and limbs. I just thought it was a really funny That, that was like the Nicotero yeah. special right there. It's like, I can do this scene <laughs> with my eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> just put body parts, spray a bunch it of goo makes- everywhere. It makes me want to, this Halloween, go find an old Cadillac and then just dress it up like that with all the body parts hanging out of it. Fake ones, of course. I'm not going to go rock. Well, that's boring. Well, you know, I like I like, I like it when I leave prison every day. Um, <laughs> Rich always spoils so. the moments of reality. <laughs> so we find Eric in the woods, and he's uh, he's still tied up. He's still trying to run through, and he's fighting off the zombie as best he can by kicking it. Um, but Glenn finds him and saves saves him from the zombie, and then cuts him free, and basically says, "I don't even care if you're on the up and up. Either run or don't. We're fighting for our lives at this point." They eventually get to the RV group who are at the uh, the water tower in that building there. And like, uh, I, f- I think it was uh, Aaron who said earlier, or maybe Rich, but uh, Daryl's out front giving whistle signals. Yeah. And uh, they, they get inside and they find a bunch of stuff, uh, including everybody still just fine. They they, ho- they hold up there. And uh, Aaron runs into the back room and finds uh, Eric, who we quickly l- learn is Aaron's boyfriend. And uh, Eric broke his ankle when he was startled by zombies, if I remember correctly. And the group patched him up when they got there. But that was why he sent the flare off was because it was basically the panic flare. The uh, come save me, something terrible happened flare. And uh, there's also this short little subplot about uh, Aaron collecting license plates, trying to collect all 50 states. And uh, there's a nice moment where Erica has found, I believe it's Indiana, and gives that uh, to him to add to collection. But because they lost the car, they lost all the license plates that he had already collected, which were in the car. So whoopsie. What I what I what I like about this whole like moment here, it's not it's not like the nature of this. It's like oh my god, look, there's boyfriends on The Walking Dead. That whatever. It's just it's nice seeing. Although it's about damn time. It, yeah, but it's it's just nice to see two characters interacting, show sharing so much chemistry and allowing us just to like have them live for like a second like take things yeah take, take get like silence everything else for like a couple minutes and just let two people like have a conversation and like show that they care for each other like it was just a nice little scene before like we get the reality check and like michonne or rick or whoever steps in it's like hey guys um let's uh let's let's address what's going on t- tomorrow in terms of how do we get the hell out of here kind of thing the only couple we have on the show are glenn and maggie really the yeah like oh and rosita and, Ar- and uh, oh yeah rosita and, and abraham, abraham uh yeah, but yeah, but it's, I mean, yeah. There's not there's not a lot of love we, we in the Walking Dead, right? For sure. what I, what, yeah, the, the point you make is very valid. There's not a lot of moments that we see them just being couples together. You know, what I mean, there were a few good moments with Abraham and Rosita this this week, but I mean, it's it's like you said, Aaron. It's rare that you see that kind of uh, you know exchange between two people on this show. You know? Yeah, and in an episode about. You know, in many parts, Michonne's saying, look, we just need to hold on to that little bit of hope we have left. Here's a, a moment of hope. Here's a moment of two people together, which is awesome. Um, so it was just really nice to see. And again, in an episode where you're questioning, can we trust this guy? Can we not trust this guy? Again, they still, by the end of the episode, are playing it close to the vest. But it's a moment to help tip you towards trusting him, whether or not that's going to pay off for the group or not in the end. And this is coming after several episodes that have just been downers. I mean, I'm trying to remember the Super last. Downers. I'm trying to remember the last, like, not fun, but episode that at least had like some sort of like semblance of like, hey, things are going to be all right. And the last I can think of is maybe the the end of the season finale, where Rick's like, they don't know who they're messing with, or like even the one where like Bob, like a couple episodes earlier, where 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 he's like, or like when Glenn and Maggie. It's just there's not a lot of times when you can like smile because something good happened on The Walking Dead. You can you can maybe smile at the zombie kills and how cool they are. But there's very little hope on this show. It's a very not I wouldn't go as far as say nihilistic, but it's a very dour series to watch. So getting an episode where it's like, hey, you know what? Things might be all right. That's nice to get every now and again. 
Yeah, and then they have this whole like spectrum of of how much the different people in the group want to believe it. Yeah, to be true. Like the the scene that Aaron has with Noah, where he tells him about the surgeon that they have in town, you know, that can help him with his leg, or you know, the scene with Aaron in the back seat with Michonne before she starts asking about the photos and everything. Where I mean, they they want to believe, and us as the audience, we want to see them. You know, find some, you know, at least a little bit of peace for an episode, at least. You know, so we have that that natural tendency, like the characters do, to want to believe in a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I mean, on the other side, the, you know, everything they've been through, of course, they're going to back Rick's play all the way to keep them safe. So, and we can only hope that you know things actually do work out and <laughs> aren't just like yeah. a giant setup again for something horrible. It's like this. Uh, but then again, it is The Walking Dead, so it's kind of betting against that things are going to be great for everybody. So. <laughs> Absolutely. We we get one last uh, awesome Aaron moment here at the end of the episode where, you know, after he, he's, uh, you know, reconnected with Eric and everything, they're all, everybody except for Eric, who, who's kind of laid up with the broken leg, is, is back out in the main room. And Rick tells him, OK, so you're going to stay over there because I still don't trust you. And Aaron tells him, if you think for one second that I'm not staying back there with Eric, you are out of your damn mind. And it, it was nice to see him finally step up because he he played the whole episode very Demure might be the wrong word, but where he he was not pushing buttons on purpose, and this was the first time where he was like, "This is what is happening, and you're going to listen to me no matter what." So the group the next morning is about ready to hit the road, but Rick says he needs to take a moment, and he walks over to a house which has a big pile of trash behind it, and this is where I thought, "Oh my gosh, he's going to pull out a knife." and carve into the tree one of those X's Morgan has been following this whole season. But no, that's what not, not what happened. Instead, he grabs a blender and hides a gun in it. Classic So blues. you can expect to see that Chekhov's gun literally uh, later on this season, I'm sure. The old blender gun hide. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because in, in a pinch, you just turn on the blender, and it can shoot the gun and the bullets at your end. That's what they call a blunderbuss. <laughs> <laughs> Blender bus. I like that. <laughs> even, in, even, in the zo- even in the zombie apocalypse, they have will it blend. <laughs> even when there's no so YouTube they... to watch it. I just, I just want to know how Ensign Chekhov gets into The Walking Dead. It's not Ensign Chekhov, it's Anton Chekhov, the famous playwright, creator of the word robot. I know that. I History, was, folks. I was being funny. Actually, if I recall correctly, wasn't Chekhov named after Chekhov? I think so. Yeah. Sounds like a real Cherkov. <laughs> oh, this show has gone off the rails. <laughs> About a hundred years after. So he uh, Rick comes back to the group and they head up to to Alexandria, and uh, you know this calls back to that question of what did you hear outside Woodbury? What did you hear outside Terminus? And as they pull up, Rick uh, puts the car in park, or it hasn't even put the car in park yet. He's just kind of sitting there looking at the walls, and uh, we hear as the audience, and he hears the sound of children playing and laughing and just being really annoying like children are coming from inside Alexandria and uh, they decide and Rick decides in particular which is the important part I'm going to walk in I'm going to take this chance I'm going to hold on to that little bit of hope and the group gets out of their cars and walks up to the gates and the episode ends they symbolize it in the like the most uh, uh, obvious way possible by him grabbing Judith it's like he's holding his hope in his hands get it as he walks into the door, I mean, it just seemed like kind of obvious symbolism to me. But, I mean, it was a cool scene. A step before... Well, it's a, his daughter. Who else is going to hold a, her? A step before that, though. Um, th- this is a, this is a Larissa Kondracki. This is her first time directing The Walking Dead. And I I love the shot of just Rick's eyes. This is the super close-up. Where, like, last week we got that amazing shot of the, oh, entire, the entire group, like, on the road with the other walkers. Like, I love that shot. This week... Just one person in super close up, right in his eyes, and right. you just you just you're getting all of it right there. And I mean that it's it might seem simple to just point a camera at an actor's eyes, but they have to do a lot to make that work. And I thought that was very impressive. I was very happy with that. Well, plus the reaction that's just in his eyes when he hears the children. Mm-hmm. You know the yeah. way his eyes kind of soften; they go from being hard and glazed to kind of. That's exactly what I'm saying. Open. It's, yeah, it's yeah. capturing Good the emoting stuff. of that kind of scene, you know, in a show that is make believe. <laughs> I mean, that it's yeah. not it's not the easiest thing to do, and so I was oh, very no, no, very no. happy with that. Little do they know that it's just some biker guy on the other side holding up a boombox. <laughs> with, <laughs> with spoilers, spoilers, dude. Playing. Spoilers. It's the it's governor's a child brother, farm. <laughs> Governor. 
<laughs> the governor. Yeah, the no, governor. The mayor. You know that. The name. mayor. Okay. <laughs> the mayor. It's the comptroller. <laughs> it's Mayor McCheese. Alexandria's comptroller, the true villain of season five. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Beware the sure ombudsman. Those books are in the red. That's what a comptroller does, right? Accounting or something like that? And all they eat is manimals. That's where they take humans and animals and combine them. And then eat them. (laughs) Alright. Okay. (laughs) That was perfectly timed. Thank you, uh, Mr. Sad Trombone. So before we get into our Buster ratings of the episode, let's talk about our sponsor for a moment here. Of course, our sponsor this week, and and for a long time now, has been DCBService.com. That's Discount Comic Book Service. Comics are expensive, but... DCBS is doing their best to make sure that you can afford as many comics as your budget will allow. You head over to DCBService.com. You can pre-order your comics before they hit the stands at deep, deep discounts, 15, 20, 25, even up to 50% and sometimes even higher than that discounts, bundle deals, get your comics at super deep discounts, and you can do the same over at their sister site, InStockTrades.com, where you can pick up the collected editions, you know, the, the six-issue uh, trade paperbacks, or you know, the 12-issue hardcovers, or any type collection that uh, the comic publishers put out, in addition to action figures, and hoodies, and hats, and other cool nerd comic book, movie, uh, television type uh, tie-ins and all that kind of stuff there. So that kind of stuff can be really expensive. Check out DCBService.com. Check out InStockTrades.com. You can get great deep discounts. Currently, Marvel is putting together some awesome stuff for Secret Wars, which is going to change, at least according to them, is going to change the face of the Marvel Universe forever. No. Uh, Jim, I know you're more of a DC guy. What is DC doing with Convergence right now? They're basically going through all their different alternate timelines and uh, alternate uh, weird Earths and pulling out all the st- some of the strangest characters from uh, 75 years uh, plus of, of comic book stuff. So that's pretty cool. And right now at DCB Service, uh, it's 50% off all Marvel and DC hardcovers and trade paperbacks. So you can get... Uh, you know, any of the trade paperbacks from Marvel or DC, 50% off there. The, as you said, they also have statues, action figures, uh, cool clothing uh, for, for the nerd in your life. You want to get a Michonne hoodie, that would be the place to go. If you want to get one of those sweet new McFarlane action figure playsets, I know I ordered the one with Daryl on his chopper, uh, going, going by all the, uh, the zombies. Uh, those are really sweet uh, from The Walking Dead. All that stuff is at DCBService.com at a really great price, so check it out. Absolutely, and we thank them for their patronage. So, gentlemen, you know what's really boring? What? Alphabetical order. So let's go and counter alphabetical order for our Buster ratings. Of course, our Buster ratings are 1 to 5, 1 being this episode was terrible, it might as well be 2 and a half men, and 5 being this episode was <laughs> awesome. So it's a go. negative 5, man. <laughs> a negative 2 and a half men. Yeah. And... So let's go in reverse counter. Uh, let's go in reverse counter alphabetical order. Hey, figure that one out. Let's go in counter alphabetical order this time and start with uh, Jordan. Uh, Richard. Jordan. What did you think of this week's episode? Well, first of all, can you say your full name so we can make sure you didn't just have a stroke? Because that's really what it sounded like. <laughs> I think I got enough of it in there too. I didn't. <laughs> um, this I. I thought this episode... Now who's having a stroke there, tough guy? <laughs> no, I, I thought this episode was fantastic. I, You know, I was really down on last week's episode. Um, still feel that, you know, you can have the character moments that they want without having it be so dra- drug out. And that's what I think we got this week. Is There was, to me, a lot more character moments in this episode than last week. And we still got a balance of action and drama. And it, it just... Just a fantastic episode all the way around. I actually give this one four and a half. I give this one a 4.25. I really like the uh, the mystery of the Alexandra um, thing coming up. I like the the, uh, the actor they brought in as Aaron. I really liked a lot of the character moments that we had in this episode. And I love the like uh, the Left for Dead uh, scenario out in the woods with uh, with uh, Rick and Glenn and uh, and Aaron. Uh, Pills here. Yeah, <laughs> Pills here. That's what it made me think of. They're just shooting like blindly, trying to four of them trying to. You know, scramble through the woods against the zombies. That was a great, uh, great sequence. Um, driving the caddy down the zombie highway was was also pretty cool. Um, I like the uh, the shout out to the spaghettios. That was nice. Um, and I like you said, Glenn, knowing that there was a second battery in the uh, in the camper, and he asked me, "How did you know that was there?" And nice shout out. 
So I'll give this one four and a quarter. I'm at a four and a half as well. I just thought this was a very well done episode overall. I mean, the various things we've pointed out are not necessarily gripes, just more of like reactions to how the show decided to handle things. But I mean, for the most part, I think the acting was very strong, um, which is ultimately what helped me like this episode as much as I did. I especially uh, given that Rick, not my favorite character on the show for various reasons. He, I mean, when Andrew, when Andrew Lincoln's given good stuff to work with, he can be very good in the show. And I was very happy to see that counterbalanced with the presence of Aaron, who I think is being uh, handled quite well so far. I will side with both Aaron and uh, and Rich. Not that I'm disagreeing with Jim, but in, in the four you and a suck, half, Jim. five. <laughs> oh, well. But you're an one of us. So keep your head on your one of us. Oh. But yeah, I'll give this episode four and a half out of five. I really, really like this episode. That line they had to tow of, can you trust him? Can you not? And how can we not hate our characters when they don't trust him if we do or do trust him and we don't? All those lines were very difficult, I'm sure, to write and to convey on screen to the audience, even for somebody like me who has read the comics and has a pretty good idea of where this is going. I was still on the edge of my seat, and I loved it. I thought Ross Marquand as uh, Aaron is a great addition to the show, at least so far. I love the character in the comics, and I really love how he's portraying him on the show. We didn't really get a lot to see uh, of Eric this episode, but I like what we did see, and uh, I'm super, super excited for next week and, and the rest of the season as they head into Alexandria. So four and a half out of five for me, but who cares what us four idiots think. Jim, what did our listeners on the Facebook group think? Well, uh, as Jordan alluded to, we have a Facebook group. It is called, oddly enough, the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group. And if you'd like to join us, uh, we'd love to have you because it's a great place to talk about the episodes. It's a great place to get some of the news and uh, and uh, interviews and things like that about about the show. And, of course, it's a great place for you to put down your uh, Buster ratings, which we always read in this segment of the show. Uh, Brent Jones gives a 4.75. Jack-o'-lantern walkers out of 5. This is what The Walking Dead is all about. Loved all the callbacks throughout the episode. Rest in peace, Dale. Glad to see Rick willing to listen to others these days. And I loved Carol's line at the end about Rick's leadership. Uh, I hope uh, Rick and Michonne uh, shack up together. <laughs> oh, my. I, it was something I, I forgot to mention when we went through the thing. Um, Michonne almost is, seems to be taking the role Tyrese had in the comic in some ways. Like kind of being the voice of sanity for Rick. She's, she's got elements, but I think she's... Yeah, largely I mean, somewhat she's definitely the same. her own character. I think but... she's yeah, I think she's hitting a lot of the same beats as the comic Michonne. I think it's they've done a good job with Michonne. I think that's the thing to say right now. <laughs> we've we've definitely we're very, it's awesome. We're very positive well, on her. Do you get the feeling that they were kind of telegraphing or foreshadowing that there's a possibility of the two of them? No, I think it's a I think it's the same yeah, as I, I I mean that's the same to me as saying like Beth and Daryl are meant for each other, or it's just I feel like there's a, there's a, such a thing of plutonic relationships and knowing how to care for each other yeah. without having to make it romantic. Exactly. Well, well, I get what you're saying, uh, Aaron. I actually side with Rich on this one. I think there were some moments here where it felt like them laying groundwork for that. If there's more, I mean, given this, how popular the show is, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually there'd be something there, especially given how Rick is with certain characters in the comic that may or may not happen in this version of the show, but. Because they may or may not be tragically dead yeah. or awesomely dead. Mm-hmm. One of the two. <laughs> well, I'm just glad they're giving Michonne more to do than just scowl and be badass. You know? Yeah, now we need more for Coral to do because he's been sitting on the sidelines too long. And right. Judith, when's she going to get a subplot? When she says her first word, which I'm assuming is going to be Walker! <laughs> they... No, it'll be Applesauce. Uh... <laughs> Pork chops and applesauce. Pork chops and applesauce. Uh, Brian Arnold gave it four out of five busters, a much more positive episode that still managed to have some good scares and tension. It was time for the cast to get some positivity after three heart-wrenching episodes. It's great to see Aaron and Eric arrive. Uh, Everard Santa Marina gives it a four zombie skull glow lamps out of five. Boy, that is the zombie kill of the week, isn't it? The flare to the head. Uh, it felt a little disjointed, and like most, I was yelling at Rick to take a chill pill. Uh, the only drama was how paranoid Rick could be, but the ship of Grouston now... We're in a totally new setting, which should be interesting. I'm with you, Brent. I'm with the. I think I'm in the Michonne Rick ship camp now. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Pamela Burton, five busters. I really liked that episode, and I think that besides the season premiere, this was the best this whole past season. Also, I don't do that shipping stuff, but there's definitely something there between Rick and Michonne. 
Wow, I guess these guys, I guess uh, you guys are starting to form a consensus on this. All right, Rich. Okay, recruiting your buddies to write in on this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read any of that, so you know I have no idea. I'm just telling you what I saw. I kid. He's, he's the voice of the people. Vox Populi. Mike Jones, five knocked it out of the, uh, knocked out now with Aaron out of five. A return to form to greatness. I love the addition, new edition of Aaron, a true Ben Linus kind of type of guy. I should add, uh, Mike Jones posted on our Out Now with Aaron and Abe, my, the podcast that I host with my friend Abe. He posted on our page a, an image of The Walking Dead that has Aaron and Abraham, and he wrote Out Now with Aaron and Abe on. He made a little collage for us, which is pretty nice. fun. Oh, nice. Cool. Also, I, I don't want to let that lost reference slip by. We're, we're together on this one. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Robin Young Sanders, 4.5 cans of Skeddy Rings. Love this episode. Tasty and delicious. Gotta be better <laughs> than those Skeddy Rings, man. Uh, Trisha Terrell Collins, 4.5 out of 5 walkers, flaming eye sockets. More Michonne, please. Rick was right to stand his ground, but the punch uh, to Aaron's head was ridic. Uh, Max Silver, 5 out of 5 bloody Cadillacs. This was the Everybody Tell Ricky's Wrong episode. I loved it. It might be my favorite of the season. Uh, Susan Monk, a 4.5 overly paranoid Rick Beards out of 5. I'm hoping Rick can shave and start trusting people again. Not all people, just the ones we know he should trust. I think we'll get at least half of that. Uh, Hezron Mac, four. It's getting better, man, out of five. Solid stuff. The only thing I'm noticing in Abraham's character is being kind of downsized. I was thinking he would be more involved in decisions and planning. Also, Andrew Lincoln, this is the best I've seen him in a bit. After the first few episodes of the season, I think he's been playing it kind of one note. It's not all his fault due to focus on other characters, but other actors really have stepped up, stepped up this season. Um, John... John White just gives it a 4.895. That's it. Uh, Craig DeMonda, 4.0. Winnebago's out of 5. It was great seeing Rick in full crazy mode, along with a healthy amount of zombie smashing action. I also like the actor they chose for Aaron. He is the only character introduced this season that is watchable. Yes, I'm talking about you, Father Gabe. Hop along, Noah, and Grady Bunch. Uh, these <laughs> people are just narrowly escaped. The barbecue from Turnus approximately one month ago, yet are now 100% ready to enter another unknown walled town. Is Rick the only one who is thinking straight? I don't know, I guess the time will tell, right? Um, David Bue III, I had a hard time with the level of paranoia from Rick, especially being a law enforcement man of reason, and I know that Glenn would never walk backwards that long without checking for walkers coming up from behind. Seems like minutes for just those few seconds. But otherwise, it felt uh, it portrayed a strong singular mission with an appropriate level of self-preservation to warrant a 4.25 unexpected man kisses out of 5. Uh, Ian Timms, 4 out of 5. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, The Walking Dead returns to form. Uh, Roger Austin gives it 4 right crosses to the chin out of 5. Enjoyed the battle of Rick's paranoia versus Michonne's and the group's hope. Good bounce back after a couple of shaky episodes. We're rapidly approaching the point where I stopped reading the comics, so I'm soon to be in virgin territory after a few memorable, memorable events. And finally, the name I love saying the most every week, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington. <laughs> uh, 4.5 <laughs> cans of food out of 5. Love this episode. I was thinking to myself, not many walkers in this episode, then all of a sudden out of the dark came loads of them. Can't wait till next week's episode. Each episode is getting better and better. And once again, if not only would you like to uh, make your comments known and your Buster Rains known and read on the show, plus read Aaron's review of each and every uh, episode of The Walking Dead, just go to the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group and all of those links will be available for you there. That's what I missed about you not being on the show last week, Jim. It just wasn't the same with Aaron saying Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington. Sad face. <laughs> so until next week you can leave us a voicemail at 972-798-3830 that's 972-798-3830 send us a, an email at wdtv at hhwlod.com and of course check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, Out Now. Aaron, what are you guys talking about on Out Now this week? Oh boy, we got a we got a bevy of stuff. We have our Oscar wrap-up show as the Oscars did take place this past weekend and um, spoilers, I crushed it on my predictions versus the others on the show. We also talk about this uh, time travel film called Predestination starring Ethan Hawke. That's very good. That um, was good. I did. I saw that. It's very good. I it's a, it it's a real good. Yeah, it's a real good time travel flick, and we go full spoilers on that one because it's it's pretty complex. And we have a commentary coming for the first The Terminator. 
So that should be fun to record as well. Ooh, nice. Oh, nice. And of course, we've got shows like It's All Connected, talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the DC TV podcast. Jim, what are you guys talking about on DC TV this week? Well, we just uh, we just wrapped up our season of Constantine. Hopefully, we'll get a second season. Uh, Flash is going on break, but we had some really cool episodes of Arrow and Gotham to discuss. Cool. And uh, Jersey Shore this week, we've got a new episode coming out pretty much when this one does, which is our best sounding episode ever because we finally figured out how to record it so it doesn't sound like it's being recorded through a can. And we're talking about uh, Marvel Secret Wars and uh, Spider-Man coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is very, very exciting. You Jersey boys are always one step behind. <laughs> I told you the prog- Progresso can with the string was not going to work, Jordan. Well, it got us 85 episodes. Now, that didn't sound bad before, but it didn't sound good. Now it's Sounds really, really good, which I am thrilled about. But enough about me and my dumb show. You can follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell in the dead, walk the earth. Remember, SpaghettiOs suck, but I'm sure SpaghettiOs are great. You got to love that cheese marinara. No, you don't. Cheese marinara is not a real thing as far as I'm aware. It's not. Sounds terrible. No. No, wrong, no. <laughs> Please, God, no. Give me dog before that. No. SpaghettiOs for when you absolutely positively need to be constipated. Because they're gross. I always force SpaghettiOs into the contents based off of my Bassomatic 5000. Like, that's the that's the way to go, I think. <laughs> if, it, if it's stopping you up, Jordan, I think you're putting the can in the wrong end. <laughs> no, I just avoid them like the plague. Uh, next week on The Walking Dead, of course, if you don't want to know anything at all about next week's episode, as vague as it might be, cut out now and have a great week. But for those of you who don't mind hearing just a tad from TVGuide.com, here's what we know about next week's episode. Episode 512 is entitled Remember, and the brief, brief synopsis we have is Molding into a new lifestyle proves difficult for the group, probably because of the dance parties, I'm assuming. Oh, spoilers. I don't know any <laughs> of the new dance moves. I will embarrass myself. And uh, the scene we got from Talking Dead for next week's episode was pretty much, as far as I could tell, the very first thing we will see next week. But it's the group walking through to the other side of the gate and being asked for their weapons and refusing. And Aaron sticking up for them and saying, maybe it's not the best idea to ask for their weapons right now. And that they're going to go meet someone named either Diane or Diana, if I recall correctly. Spoiler, there will be zombies. Well, maybe. Maybe not. No, no, maybe yeah. they'll be inside maybe, this uh, very well-protected town. Oh, they'll be there. <laughs> I'm betting at the dance parties on Friday night, there's a lot of thriller remakes. <laughs> they play Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. That's a fun question. Does thriller exist in the Walking Dead universe? Because they don't say the word zombies, but it has zombies. They've said the word zombies several times in the show. No, they haven't. No, they yes, haven't. They have. No, they, yes, they have. No, they haven't. Um, I, I will try to find a list for you next week, but they have said it two or three times throughout the, the, the run of the show. Rarely, though. Jordan, stop spending so much time on the other universe and Fringe, where weird things exist that don't really exist. Where Hal Jordan is a Red Lantern. Too nerdy? Okay. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've led you down this obscure reference cul-de-sac, good night. Record. And this should be episode one hundred one three two. One thirty two. One thirty two. Fit vertically. Zoom in. Fit vertically. Twist and shout. I'm, I'm, I'm changing I'm, so I can see my waveforms very clearly on the screen. You, there's, if you go under view, or at least on the Mac version of Audacity, you can fit vertically and it'll just fit the, um, the, the editing bar to your screen. You know, you can stop with your incessant um, reminding us of your superiority with that Mac. With my five-year-old <laughs> computer? <laughs> Which, sure. Yeah, so superior. Um, it's a Mac. It's better than my five-year-old computer. Well, in the zombie sure. apocalypse, but... neither Justin Long or... God, what's his name? Or not Andy. John Hodgman. John Hodgman? Really John Hodgman win this war, so... Judge John, John Hodgman, Hodgman? The man who wrote three books of uh, Collected World Knowledge? You know, I was thinking the other day I'd like for him to take over The Daily Show. 
after John Stewart leaves. The, he that he would bad. actually probably. Be I think he would good. be perfect for. It depends it. on how hip Comedy Central think he might be for the show. I mean, John Oliver. He's got a mustache. Perfect for it, but yeah, John Oliver's show is way, way, way awesome. It it, it feels like and this is we're so off topic. This, it just feels like his sensibilities are very similar to Larry Wilmore in terms of his kind of delivery, <laughs> even though there's obvious differences. But yeah. It, it, yeah. it seems like it'd be a repeat of the same thing. Right. Well, it's funny how like I think it was the week after um, uh, John Stewart said he was stepping down. Immediately, HBO snapped up John Oliver for like two or three more seasons. Or <laughs> hey, because smart. they knew. I oh, mean, yeah, of you course know that they knew summer... they'd be coming coming to call, right? Well, that summer that Jon Stewart took like eight weeks off or whatever and for filming his movie and John Oliver took over, it was the, like the highest summer ratings that show has had in years or something like that. So that, yeah, that tells you something. John Oliver's just awesome. That HBO show is, is I want it every night. Aaron, I might have agreed with you on Hodgman until listening to a lot of episodes of Judge John it's, Which is different, yes. Yeah. And I think if he were to use more of that persona, maybe a little bit more animated than that persona, that could actually work fairly well. I agree, well. yeah, which is the same logic of like seeing Stephen Colbert doing Colbert Report, and now he's doing Letterman. We don't know what that's going to be like yet, but yes, I can imagine there there's different styles of how they approach their material, sure. Sure, sure. Did you see his Colbeard earlier yes. this week? Yes, the Colbeard. <laughs> the Colbeard. Hey, is there a show we're uh, doing today? Uh, this is... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I thought we bullshit around for a while. Uh, this is episode 511. Oh. No, I know what episode it is. I'm saying what episode of The Walking Dead. Um, which I realized uh, in looking at the thing tonight, I haven't been saying directed and written by um, last couple weeks, so I should haven't start you? doing that again. Okay. Anyway. You bastard. No, I did guest ah, stars okay. last week, you, but uh, I think since we came back from the break, I just forgot. You did it the week before last, but you didn't do it last week. Oh, I mean, okay. Mike Jones is going to be really angry remember... at us if we don't do it this week, guys, so we better do it. See what happens when I'm not here, the whole place falls apart. Man. Yeah, there you go. It does. Like a week off and Jim, we got We got to have our boss. This is a little poor, and you can edit this if you want to, but I, was, I, I joked as, like, as Rick was saying, like, you need to sleep over there. It's not because I don't trust you. It's because you're gay. It's like, <laughs> this would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone gives a Rick, Rick a look like, what? <laughs> like Tara's like, uh, I'm still here too. This is kind of nuts. I haven't got to know you that well. 